Luke, Luke chapter 24. And verse 36. As they were in fellowship and speaking, perhaps at dinner, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. It is a sudden appearance. But the remaining disciples were terrified and affrighted. They thought they had seen a spirit or a ghost. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as I have. When he spoke that, he showed him his hands and feet. Amen. Now, whatever level of faith that you have, if it's low, and there's some of you that walked in here and your faith is very low, I want you to be encouraged today because God has given me and others around you sufficient faith for your life. And he's going to touch you not because you have the faith for yourself. But he's going to touch you and bless you and heal you and restore you because there are many others that are going to have faith for you. Now, if you, if you need me to help you with that in Scripture, the Bible says they tore off the roof of the house and they let down their friend. And here's the next line. When Jesus saw their faith. He didn't make any mention of the lame man's faith, but he saw the faith of a friend. We'll do anything to get you to Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to do anything to get you to Jesus today. Amen. Put your Bibles down and just clap unto the Lord and out of your mouth. Shout as loud as you can. And make a great noise before the Lord. Let the Lord hear your voice today. Amen. Everybody who got a baptismal certificate also got a kiss. Because that's what I do. Well, if it's appropriate. And if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, it's the most wonderful thing 
that you'll ever do in your life. Amen. Bless you may be seated. Thank you. God has blessed us with this inspired book. He breathed it into existence. And holy men of God wrote as the Lord uttered it through them. In the frame of its design lies patterns and principles which are given to us to transform us. Just as Noah descended from Mount Sinai with the book of the law, which was given as a guide for moral conduct of the entire nation, so too the Lord has given us his testament to empower the church of Jesus Christ. And if we follow this book, obey it, and then put it into practice, we will see the results of it. Because he cannot and will not defy his own word. He is his word. So, for a mo- moment, consider the text. Jesus is risen from the grave, and this is his first appearance to, to them. But they saw him, at least from afar, hanging at the place of skulls. And they knew of his suffering and his death. They are aware of the torment wrought in fashion by the Roman guards. No one in that room questioned whether or not Jesus had died. They were just fearful at the realization of his resurrection. The tomb, the grave, the news, the the unmistakable occurrences, the three hours of shadowy darkness cast upon the earth, the earthquake itself, and the witness of people who were buried walking out of their own tombs through the city. They all knew these things, but to see him... I read to you, they were terrified, they were afraid, and they supposed they had seen a spirit or a ghost. To which Jesus said, why why are you troubled? Why do these thoughts arise in your hearts? Because even then, it was difficult for them to believe that what can happen did happen. Just like it's difficult for all of us to believe that what he has done, he can do. And what we've never seen him do, he can still perform. And not only that, but that he will do it. I just want to say that again. He will do it. Now, I know you don't believe that entirely, but I believe it for you. I feel the shingles in my hand already. I'm going to tear off something because I believe it for you. He said that he would rise from the grave and he didn't. He said that he would overcome death and hell, and he did that. He said, all power in heaven and earth belongs to me, has been given to me, and he has it. 
He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He said that if you would ask anything in my name, it shall be done unto you. We have something. We don't even realize we have it. It's found in our baptism. We baptize in the name of Jesus because that's the only name that was ever used in baptism. The titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not names. Those are titles of God. There is the name. What is the name of the Father? Isaiah 96. The name of the Father is Jesus. What's the name of the Son? Matthew 121. The name of the Son is Jesus. What's the name of the Holy Ghost? Jesus said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, the name is Jesus. There's only one name. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's why when we're baptized, we say in Jesus' name. Because there's only one name. And when he comes back, he's going to be riding a white horse and there's a vesture dipped in blood and the name is written on that vesture. And the name of the saints will have a name in their foreheads. I can tell you what the name is. It's going to be Jesus. It's Jesus in the morning and the afternoon. It's going to be Jesus that resurrects your body. And Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, say it, Jesus, it shall be done. Amen. But standing in that room, he has appeared to them. He's perhaps walked through the wall or just appeared standing there, it was important to them that he prove himself. So he offers them the necessary proof just for clarity. What Jesus did for Thomas, who is often cast into the motif of doubting Thomas, just for clarity. When Jesus presented himself to Thomas, he was presenting himself to the rest of them and to us. Behold my hands and my feet, it's I, handle me. He is proving something about his power. He had the power to lay down his life, and he said, I have the power to take it up again. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll, I'll raise it up again. The, the unbeliever was thinking, he was talking about the actual temple, but he was talking about his own body. And the proof of that was in his hands. The tempest sea of emotions was addressed that moment when he said, Behold my hands. He began with his hands. Fear and discouragement. Jesus presented something that set the precedent for us to remove fear and discouragement and doubt. There was something about his hands which, when invoked, it brought confidence. The Lord's image to all of them had changed. He did not look the same. His face did not look the same. He was unrecognizable to them. In fact, the two disciples who were walking home to Emmaus, they did not recognize Jesus, though they had known him before his crucifixion. In relation to the Lord's suffering, the Bible states that his visage, his face, had been so disfigured that by the time he was hanging on the cross, he did not even look like the same man. Isaiah prophesied about it. He said, as many were astonished, or there were many astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. But there was something about his hands. They knew his hands. There is power in his hands. Let me just tell you a few facts. The hands of a person 
have been in all literal and allegorical senses an extension of that person. They are representatives. Hands are the tools that give us the ability to fight and to work. In the scripture, into the hands come responsibility and duties. Hands were lifted up to create a covenant because the hand is a signal that what is spoken is true to the hearer. In some countries, even today, the hand itself is the signature of the person. Sometimes they'll outline the hand or make a very clear note as to who the subject is. And other times they'll dip their entire palm in ink or some lasting liquid and then, and then press it against the parchment signifying their person. All the authority of that person comes to the hand. All their power is displayed by way of it. A man's solemn promise is signaled by those lifted hands. Our courts engaged in the lifting of the hand as a sign that the testimony you're about to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Hands are strength, and hands are also submission of yielding. They are signs. They are both strength, and they are submission. Even a man's heart, a person's heart, is connected with his hands. Here's your Bible. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Notice God's own account. God's active power is depicted through his hand, whether for his people or against the enemies of the children of God. Deuteronomy chapter 2. I'm going quickly now. Stay with me. For indeed the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among the host until they were consumed. Joshua 4, 24. That all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that he might fear the Lord your God forever because the hand of the Lord is for us and it's against our enemies and the list goes on and on and on today but the bible will not stop with the betrayal of god's hands rather it will give us an insight into our own hands david said let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice david said when i don't have an offering of blood to bring or when i have nothing left in my pockets let me lift up my hands it's going to be a sacrifice if you've got nothing left to give put your hand up right now and just wave it to the lord there's a sacrifice unto the lord of praise oh. when israel heard a word from the prophet or the priest or when someone read from the book of the law about god's statutes or his order the people would lift up their hands as affirmation to the word that's why the psalmist wrote my hands also Will I lift up unto thy commandments, which is an affirmation, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. So if you believe the word that I preach, if you don't believe it, just keep your hands in your pocket. If you believe God's good. If you believe the word is going to last forever. If you believe there's power in this house to heal your body. We have some work to do today. I'm not going to work alone. We're going to do something here today. If you came from a pretty sermon, you came to the wrong place. It's an ugly sermon. (laughs) 
It's good, but we, we got things to do. Let, let me tell you, you may not know this where you walked in. This is a Holy Ghost filled church. People get healed and delivered here. There's lifetime addictions that are just falling off of people's lives when they walk into this house. Marriages are restored here. Children come back to God here. Demons have to get out of here. Things are loosed here. People at the end of their life, they're into their rope, they find hope and refuge here. Just a little teaching point. The Hebrew word for consecrate literally means to fill your hands with service. Here's 1 Chronicles 29. The gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artifacts. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Consecration literally means to fill your hands with service to the Lord. To be consecrated is not a feeling, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a prayer made at the end of some wonderful service. Consecration means to fill your hands with servant service. And if we are going to be servants or servant leaders, our story is told by what is in our hands, not, as what, not what is in our mouth. Because you can say all these things, but if your hands are empty and there's no service and you don't serve, you're not consecrated. If you want to stay strong in the church, be consecrated. If you want to be founded and have a family structure that's secure and emotionally functional, stay consecrated. Because you can profess all this stuff, but you got nothing in your hand. That didn't go over real well, did it? This section was really quiet. Actually, there was only three people who said amen. I got 2% right now. We got to put something in our hands of service to the Lord. Okay. When the king needed a prophet, the the Bible said they looked around, they found Elisha. I'm not going to expound on it all. But the moment is a declarative about the moving of the Holy Spirit. Elisha prays. And here's what the scripture says. And the hand of the Lord came upon him. And when the hand of the Lord came upon him, he began to prophesy and give direction to the whole nation. Lives were saved that day because the hand of the Lord. Now, I I want you to know, it's not just me, but whoever comes here and whoever speaks, teaching or preaching, divine explanation or divine inspiration, if it's a classroom, if it's a session, we want the hand of the Lord to come upon everyone who speaks the word because lives need to be saved. Destinies need to be saved. Eternities need to be changed. Amen. Amen. It's God's resting spirit displayed as the hand of the Lord. Prophets laid hands on other people and anointed. Kings commissioned and were commissioned by the hand of the prophet when they laid their hands on them. 
Inheritances were given through the laying on of hands, not paper, not decrees, special anointing positions and appointments. Abraham laid his hands upon Isaac as he passed down the inheritance of the covenant. And Isaac, in his weakened and blind state, of course, reached forth and put his hand upon his second son, Jacob. The eternal blessing from Jacob, from Isaac to Jacob, came about through the laying on of hands. They transferred authority, they transferred power, they transferred blessing, wisdom, and wealth. They transferred who they were and what they were. At one point in 2003, right in the middle of Brother Stone King's sermon, I was so compelled, I just walked to the platform. I had known him for a long time. I just walked to the platform and I interrupted his sermon while he was preaching. I said, Brother Stone King, lay your hands on me. And he put his hand on my head and prophesied over me. And a few years later, Nona Freeman, a powerful lady of the Lord, a missionary, she came to our church. And at the end, I said, Sister Freeman, I just want you to do one thing for me. I want you to lay your hands on me. And I want you to pray over me. Because I believe there's a transfer of power. Here's Deuteronomy 34. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto who? Unto Joshua. And and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Because there was a transfer of anointing from Moses to Joshua when he laid his hands on him. And there was a transfer of authority and power. Amen. All right. I did all that just to get to this. I believe in the first principles of, of our faith. And I love innovation and refinement, all the stuff. I'm happy about new ideas and new technologies. I'm always a little bit behind. I'm always, I, I, I've got a cell phone. I've got an iPhone. It's called a smartphone for a reason. It's really a little inside joke. It's a smarter than you phone. It, my phone does a lot of things. In fact, our cell phones are more powerful than the computers that were built even 10 years ago. Now, Tammy's phone, something's always wrong with her phone. It only is useful for outgoing calls. I've upgraded her phone, but there's a, every phone that I've ever got her only is for outgoing calls. It cannot receive any calls. <laughs> if mine has that glitch, I get in trouble. I hope she's at church right now. I feel a lot of freedom in the spirit. (laughs) I love better organization. I like those thoughts, programs and processes and good things, methods. If, If we find a better method, let's do it. If we find out how to welcome people better, let's do that. But the church of Jesus Christ was not based on relevancy. It was not built on ingenuity or technology. It certainly wasn't built on thought or philosophy or talent or ability. It wasn't built even on tenure. Mm -hmm. 
There will be healings and there will be miracles. But it's critical that we go back to follow the pattern. The Lord has given us his testament to empower the church even now today. So here's where I'm at in Hebrews chapter 6. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, I just want to tell you, he was not dismissing them. What he was saying was, we've already established the principles of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Don't don't go back and lay the foundation again. Let us go on unto perfection. Because he said, we've already accomplished these six doctrinal principles of Jesus Christ. We're not going to go back again and lay the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. The writer of Hebrews calls them the, calls them the principles of the doctrine of Christ. He says they are the foundation. They are the foundation of the church. doesn't matter what denomination you are. It doesn't matter what sign has in front of, of any denominational church. These are the original foundations or the principles of the foundation of the Bible. They are the foundations of God's church. And the first one he said, we're not going to go back and lay repentance because we believe in repentance. Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Acts 3.19 says, bring therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Because if you don't repent, you cannot be saved. You can't be saved, uh uh-oh, by just saying, I believe in you, Lord, and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. That's not in the Bible. But repentance is in the Bible. If you want to be saved, you've got to go to repentance and say, Lord, forgive me of all the things that I've done. Hey, let me just ask you, did we, did we get away from repentance? We don't believe, do you believe in repentance? I, no, I need to know this. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just, I'm, I'm not being snide up here. Or do you believe that people ought to repent? Come on, saints. Do you believe that, that we all have to repent? You believe that? Do you think that anyone's going to go to heaven without repenting of their sins? When the Bible says that there's not going to be a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing? You've got to repent. Listen, if you don't repent, you can't be forgiven. All right. Everybody believe in repentance? Say aye. All opposed? Motion carried. Just want to make sure. How about faith toward God? This is the second thing. Faith toward God. Do you believe you have to have faith toward God? Here's the book of Hebrews. He he that cometh to God must first believe that God is. And that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith without works is dead. Being alone, you got to have faith. We're saved by faith, by grace through faith. That is the gift of God. Not of yourself, lest any man should boast. You have to have faith in God. I want to know, why do we keep having faith in government and not faith in God? 
people are let down because there's a football game today or tomorrow or whatever it is and basketball game and you got faith that your favorite player is going to win and people are spending billions of dollars on, on, on gambling because they think somebody's going to win the game. You ought to forget about all that and have faith in God. I'm not going to have faith in a, in a person or a program or a government. Do we believe in faith in God? Somebody tell me that you believe that you got to have faith in God. Okay, okay, because we got to establish the foundation here. How about the doctrine of baptisms, plural? That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. No one's going to get to heaven, no one's going to see heaven, unless you're born again of the water and of the Spirit. Two baptisms, the water and the spirit. Jesus said, I'm going away. John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When the outpouring of the Holy Ghost came, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Jesus himself was baptized of John the Baptist in the River Jordan to set an example for us, and baptisms are in the Bible. That's why when Peter got up to write his little his 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 word in his book, he said, "Just as as Noah was saved by water, even so baptism saves us. Baptisms of water and baptism of spirit. You've got to be born again of the water and the spirit. Do we believe in being baptized in water in the name of Jesus? Does this church believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you believe that? It's in the Bible." Joel prophesied it 700 years. He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And Peter got up and said, remember what Joel said back in the Old Testament? He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Let me tell you, the baptisms of the water and the spirit are going to change your life. Repent of your sins and be baptized, everyone. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do we believe in that? That's not, that's not a denomination. That's just, this is just Bible. You know, I don't care what you call yourself. This is just Bible. And the Bible is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. Can, 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 I, can, can I just skip down a little bit? How about the resurrection of the dead? It, it, it's right there, the res, Hebrews 6, 2, the resurrection of the dead. What does that mean? That means heaven. And the last one is eternal judgment. That means hell. Do you believe that? Do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? You see, what's happening is the, the, the atheist and the secular world has removed all of that. And that's why we have a plethora of increased and explosion of suicides. Because if you don't have anything after this life, if life gets bad, just take yourself out. But my Bible says that he went to prepare a place for us that where he is, we're going to go. There's mansions, many mansions there. Amen. The Bible is, describes hell also. I want you to know there is a heaven and there is a hell. There is a hell. Let me just say that again. There is a hell prepared for Satan and his angels and all those who are disobedient to God. 
I was with a very good friend, Brother Myers. He turned to me. We were talking about this small subject. He said, he said, he said, Jeff, I, I just was somewhere and he said, I was preaching and he said, I just made mention of hell and the whole thing got tight. Everyone just froze up. I said, why is it? He said, because I, a lot of people don't believe in it. They don't want to think about it. They just live casually and haphazardly. Listen, I'm not rejoicing that there is a hell, but you better be aware there is a heaven and there is a hell. This is the foundation of the principles of the early church that Jesus gave them. Do you believe there's a heaven? Do you believe there's an eternity after this life? Do you believe in repentance? Do you believe in faith towards God? Do you believe that that waters of baptism ought to be filled every time we can and people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You ought to clap your hands if you believe that and shout to God. But there's one more thing that the church stopped doing and we stopped doing it in, in mass the evangelical group stopped doing it about 25 years ago, 26 years ago. Research shows that somewhere about three or four decades ago, other denominations stopped doing it. But the Pentecostals have also shied away from doing it too. That's the laying on of hands. We're not laying on hands. We're not doing it. Now you can tell me you believe in repentance and you can tell me you believe in faith toward God and most of us in here believe that people will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost but we are very absent of laying hands on one another. What we've done is we professionalize that. Now we want a preacher or a pastor to lay hands on us. That's not the pattern of the early church. I have no intrinsic value in my hand. My hand and my faith is not greater than your hand and your faith. But the early church believed that they would lay hands on one another and they would be healed and they would be restored. Now, why, where do they get that? They got that from Jesus when he said to the church in Mark chapter 16, he said, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it's not going to hurt them. Here's the last part. They shall lay hands on the sick, the whole church, and they will recover. Huh. You've been waiting for me to lay hands on you, but the person right next to you, behind you, and in front of you has the same power of the Holy Ghost, and today we're going to do the work. Amen. This, this, uh, Pastor Shock, this grieves me because, uh, because I think what's happened is sometimes we get professional. We, we get refined in, in our movement and in, in our churches. And, and we stop doing certain things because it's not culturally cachet. Or maybe we don't know how to do it. I, I don't think you suddenly jump on somebody, lay hands on them. But I think you could ask them, can I pray for you? Or, and you'll know. And you don't have to jerk their head back. And I know a lot of people have, they came up for prayer uh, for, uh, for an ailment. And, and the ailment was healed. But then they had a neck cramp after they got done. Um, 
you, you, you can be kind. You don't have to shake someone or, or, or jar them. But laying hands on someone is just putting your hand on them and praying in the name of Jesus. Now, when I do that, all I'm doing is obeying the voice of the Lord. I, I'm not doing it because I'm good. You're not getting healed because I did it. But I, in, in our obedience, Brother Mark, when I lay my hands on you, something is going to happen. There's a transfer of authority and power and healing. Now, if we don't believe that, then we need to erase a bunch of other stuff and just get rid of the baptismal tank and stop repenting. But if we believe that these are the foundations of the Holy Ghost and the church of Jesus Christ, when I lay my hands on you, something's going to happen to you. I want you to come here in a moment and, and I want someone to lay hands on you. But wherever you're sitting, someone has the power of the Holy Ghost and they can lay hands on you and you can be delivered today. Uh, oh man, where's my, where's my young lady that was just healed of colon cancer? Are you here today? She was here last week. She, where, where, where are you? Hulk. Would you come? Would you? I don't want to embarrass you, but you'd come. <laughs> Remind me your name. I am so. Christy, come up, Christy. I'm sorry. I, I know. I know this is crazy. I'm just a crazy pastor. I, I won't kiss you. That's okay. Uh, I, just two times, not three. Okay. Oh, okay. But Jeremiah McKinney brought me back. But Jer- <laughs> she was baptized twenty years ago. But she had. She said I had a big lapse. But Jeremiah McKinney, come up here, Jeremiah. Get up here. Get up here. Come on. Here's my soul winner. Hey, step back for a little bit. Here's what I want you to do, Christy. See this guy? I want you to lay hands on him because the Lord's going to use him to reach people. Put your hand on him right here. Put your hand right there in Jesus' name and just pray right now in Jesus' name. We're transferring something right now in Jesus' name. Let there be a soul winning. Let there be a power. Use him for your glory. I pray right now in Jesus' name. I pray right now in Jesus' name. Let the power of the Holy Ghost come upon this young man right now. I thank you, Lord, for Jeremiah. I thank you for his boldness. I thank you for his love for you. I pray, Lord, right now let many people come to this faith he has seen it and he has done it and we're laying hands on him in Jesus name listen this is how this is how it works this is how it works we lay hands in Jesus name it's not hocus pocus it's the bible It's the Bible. If you don't want to lay hands, then you might as well throw away your Bible. The Bible is filled with laying on of hands. This is how the church did it. If you want to be healed today of whatever ails you, you, you're going to have someone, someone's going to lay their hands on you. And before they do that, they need to pray in the name of Jesus. And you need to have the, and if you don't have the faith, it's okay. I'm going to have the faith for you in Jesus name. Pastor, we can only touch one or two people at a time. It, when, when, the, when Peter began to preach, 
and people were baptized. On the south side of the temple are all those mikvahs where there were ceremonial baptisms. And that day, the Bible says 3,000 people, maybe even a little more, were baptized in one day. But the day, they didn't have lights and, and all the street lights. It was already spent because the Holy Ghost was poured out the third hour of the day. And from that moment to dusk, 3,000 people had to be baptized, which meant Peter couldn't be the only one that baptized. Men and women were baptizing each other or, or all those folks in those mikvahs. That's the only place that could have gone. They weren't asking for a licensed, ordained minister to put their hands on them and baptize them. They just wanted someone who had faith in God and who had been filled with the Holy Ghost to baptize them. You don't have to be a preacher to lay hands on someone and their, and their, their situation and their healing and their miracle can come about. All you have to do is say, in the name of Jesus... I don't know how many people need to be healed today, but if you've come in here and you need to be healed, this is the day you're going to be healed. I'm not going to pray for you because someone else is going to pray for you. I'm going to find one or two, but I can't get to everybody. So don't, don't think you got to get to me or someone else. You, whoever lays hands on you, you believe that the Holy Ghost power is going to come through them and there's going to be a miracle. Now, there's a few folks that can't be here today, and that's all right, too. Because we believe that we can stand in for someone and we can pray for them and they will be delivered. So it doesn't matter if they're here or not, they can be delivered. How did I get that? Because the centurion said to Jesus, I've got a servant that's sick and he's dying at home. And Jesus said, I'll come and touch him and pray for him. And the centurion said, no, Lord, you don't even have to touch him or come. All you have to do is speak the word. I got a lot of notes. All right. I'm done. Now close your eyes right now with me. In the name of Jesus, I pray for all the folks that don't have faith. They don't, they don't know if this is right or not. They're struggling a little bit. They've heard it, but maybe my presentation wasn't good today, or maybe there's a little fear or whatever. I pray, Lord, just help those folks that are struggling with this, Lord. They don't know. Help them, Lord, just to overcome that. And let them not feel down about themselves, Lord, because I have faith for them that they are going to be touched and transformed and something's going to be changed. I, I pray for the people who have walked in here. They've let their commitment last and there's no consecration in their hands. But, Lord, you're going to fill it back up right now in Jesus' name. I pray for every person in this house that's struggling with finances and their future is obscure. I pray for everyone who has dark things in their life and shadows and skeletons, Lord. They've been dealing with it for a long time. But I pray right now you're going to set them free and when someone lays their hands on them the power of the glory of God is going to emanate it's going to come through them and they're going to be delivered and healed and chains are going to fall off and there's going to be a miracle here today Lord and we're going to attribute to you and to the obedience of your word in the name of Jesus I pray yes 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 yes
I have faith for everyone to be healed. If, if, if you have extreme faith in this house and you're going to help me today, I want you just to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I have faith for people. I have faith for everybody that they'll be healed. If you are in this place and you're been, you've been battling with something in your life, new or old, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to walk to the front if you can. If you don't, if you don't feel like you want to come up, but you have enough courage to tell someone close by, would you just pray for me? Then I want, I want that person to take someone by the hand or the arm, put your hand on their shoulder. I want you to be appropriate. I want you to be kind and appropriate. I want believers that will pray for one another. I'm not calling for ministry to pray. I'm calling for everybody in this house. I wish that everyone would allow someone to lay hands on them. And I wish that, that you would lay hands on someone if it's appropriate. I, I, I don't want to be inappropriate today. I, but I believe that God has commissioned us to lay hands on one another for the healing and deliverance of bodies and sicknesses and disease. So while you're coming, you got to find someone. Do not be alone. Do not pray alone. Lay hands and say in Jesus' name. And just say this, by the authority of the power of the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb of God.